Okay, uh, before I get into the sermon today, I want to speak a bit into the situation that our country finds itself. I've been asked by several people wanting to know, what do we do in situations like this? So I want to speak to that. Now, I'm going to speak these words not as some master or some expert in the field of multicultural relationships, nor am I some expert on the realities of racial divisions in this country or even the world, but I speak these words as a follower of Jesus Christ, as someone who loves Jesus and who wants to do what Jesus would do if he were living my life. And the words I'm going to say today, they're not going to be all that lengthy or all that profound, but they are truth. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we are lovers of the truth, and we should want to live by the truth. And I'm convinced that the division between races and people groups breaks God's heart. I know it does. And guys, these issues are not new. In the days of Jesus, the division was between the Jews and the Gentiles. They hated each other, and their lives and their actions, they showed it. But when Jesus showed up onto the scene, Jesus clearly broke protocol with the custom in how he loved on and he served the Gentiles that he encountered. He was different. And he showed the heart of God in his actions. And so we can learn from him as followers of Jesus Christ. And so listen to me. Every human being, every single human being, whatever their color, their race, or background, is made in the image of God. That should mean something to us. The importance of human life and being created in the likeness of God should be of great importance to us. And that means, guys, that the taking of any life, black, white, babies in the womb, adults of any age, background, whatever, the taking of any life, it should break our hearts. And if it doesn't break our hearts, then our calloused hearts need to be softened by the love of Jesus. Life matters to God. He's the giver of life. And every human being is made in his image. Every person that you come into contact with in your life is made in the image of God, even your enemies. And we need to train ourselves to always remember that. And as followers of Jesus Christ, everything we do, everything we do can be summed up into two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then he says this, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love all those made in his image as yourself. Now listen to me. We do not love them because we feel guilt. We do not love them because we feel pity. We do not love them because somehow we have great privilege, and out of that great privilege we need to stoop down and love others. No, action born out of those three things aren't love. They're simply condescending. No, we love because God commands us to love. We love because as followers of Jesus, we're to be known by our love for others. We love because he first loved us. We love because our God, the one in whose image we are created, is love. And if we want to look like our father, if we want to look like our dad, then we need to love like our father loves So what does that mean in practical terms? It means this. Each one of us have circles of influence. 
We have areas over which we have say. And as followers of Jesus, in those circles of influence, in those areas over which we have say, we can love by serving and blessing and being Jesus to others made in God's image, whatever their color or race. In other words, be Jesus to the world around you. Guys, I am convinced that the answer to our current nation's issues is not some new policy. It's not some new law or some decision passed by Congress. No, the answer to our great dilemma is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer. And listen to me. We are Jesus' representatives to this world. We are his ambassadors. And as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, we are called to love and we are called to serve and we're called to do it as Jesus did. And guess what? If we don't do it, who else will? What I'm trying to say is, is that because we are followers of Jesus, because we have Jesus, truth be told, we are the answer to the nation's problem. So let's be the solution by living as Jesus would. And how do we do that? By loving as Jesus did. Amen? And we do that by getting in the game. And that's what this whole series has been about, getting in the game. And last week we talked about the need to put into practice the words of Jesus. And if we do that, we're building our foundation on the rock. And the storms can hit, and the the waters can rise, and the winds and waves can beat against the house. And being that we put into practice the words of Jesus, our house will stand and will not fall. And like we said last week, guys, we can be assured of the fact that the storms are going to come. Multiple storms are going to hit us at, at the same time. The question is, are we ready for it or not? Well, the way we get ready for these storms is to take the words of Jesus and to put them into practice in our lives. And that's how we get in the game. All right, today, in today's sermon, I want to talk about endurance. Uh, I want to address the need that we have as followers of Jesus Christ for endurance. I kind of feel like today, endurance in the Christian walk is not something that's often addressed, and I think it should be, and I'll tell you why. It should be because endurance is the action that leads us to the prize. If we choose to quit enduring, we give up the prize at the end. And if that is the case, then honestly, we should be talking about endurance all the time. We should be constantly telling each other and encouraging each other to endure, to not give up. You know, I I told you last week I played football in high school. And the way that they did football back, back then is the top athletes would play both sides of the ball. So you'd play offense and you'd play defense. They've changed that now. They try to want to have people that only play offense, only play defense, so that they're fresh going into you know, to the game. But back then, they, they played both sides. They played offense and defense. And usually when you got to the fourth quarter, and you're about the midway through the fourth quarter, the players are so exhausted It's hard to just keep gutting through each play. And I remember our coach would call timeout, and he'd come out in the middle of the field, and he'd get in a huddle, and he'd say, guys, listen to me. I'm going to need you to give everything that you have right now. I'm going to need you to dig deep and, and play your hardest and leave nothing on the field tonight. You give it your all. You endure until that clock strikes zero. Give it your everything. He'd do that almost every game. 
Word of God says this in James. It says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. The man or woman who endures receives the crown of life. Endurance leads us to the prize. Guys, endurance is important. When it comes to participating with God in what he's doing on this earth, when it comes to being his ambassadors and representatives and and being part of his activity and kingdom, endurance is crucial. Starting and stopping are not the actions of a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus even said that. Look at what he says. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. It's like, you know, when you would put yourself to the plow, you grab hold of the plow and you start plowing. And Jesus says, the guy who does this starts plowing and goes, you know, I'd rather be doing that over here. And they let go of the plow and get in this activity and they're like, oh, but I should be plowing. So they get back to the plow and they're like, ah, oh, but I really would want a glass of lemonade over here. And then they're like, I should be plowing again. So they get back here. And this back and forth, Jesus says, listen, if you're going to be a man like that, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Listen, when we put our hand to the plow and we choose to follow Jesus, we don't keep looking back and trying to see what we're missing or seeing what we could instead be doing. If you keep doing that, Jesus says you aren't fit for activity with God. You won't be able to participate in God's kingdom the way that you should because of your lack of endurance. When you put your hand to the plow, keep your hand to the plow and keep plowing to the end. Endure. Now, I will say the main reason we don't like endurance is because in order to truly endure something, it means what? What is endurance usually associated with? Hardships, right? Suffering, difficulty. Endurance is a word only associated with difficulty. For instance, let me say, let's say that Bob Ford, raise your hand, Bob, so everybody can know you're here. Let's say that Bob Ford goes down to Tahiti, and he's on the beach for two weeks. And he's got two men that stand beside him, and if he wants something to eat, they go, ooh, they run and they get him the food, and they come and they serve him. And if he wants a drink, they quickly run and grab him a drink so that he can drink. And if he, you know, he wants some shade, they lift him up and carry him to a little cabana, and they set him under the shade. And if he wants to get in the sun, they bring him out and lay him on a cushion and rub oils on his back so that he gets a nice little tan. Let's say that Bob does that for two weeks, okay? Two weeks. Would it be appropriate for me to come up to Bob and say, dude, that is some incredible endurance, man. You have really endured. That's amazing. Super proud of you. Would anyone say that? No. Why? Because endurance is only associated with difficulty. If someone is an endurance runner, what does that mean? They run long distances. They don't just run 20 yards and quit. No, they run long, long distances. It's hard. It requires endurance. So let's face it. The word endurance when it comes to the Christian life means that living in this wicked world is hard. It's bent against us. It hates God. It flows in the opposite direction in which we're going. And so for us to live in this world, it requires Endurance. But guys, even though endurance is associated with difficulty, like I said before, it's also associated with great reward. 
Remember, it's the action that brings the prize. Let me show you a passage that I love. It's a passage that I have to keep coming back to in my own life to, you know, to be encouraged by it. But I want you to turn, if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, and if you do not have the first five verses uh, highlighted or underlined in your Bible, please do so, because they're very important verses. It says this, and I'm going to start with the first two verses, and then we're going to focus on the endurance part. It says this, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of of God. Okay, real quick, let me teach a little bit on these first two verses because they're huge and they set up the next three verses. But Paul is saying this. He's saying, listen, since we have been justified by faith, which means we've been declared just in the eyes of God through Jesus Christ and what he did, we have peace with God. Second service, you need to know that. We have peace with God. God is not angry with us. We are not enemies of God anymore. He's not against us. He's not out to get us. He is for us. Amen? And I think we need to constantly be reminded of that because that's a truth that constantly we'll find the enemy will try to rip away from us. Because when you find yourself in a storm and you're getting hammered and hammered and hammered and hammered by the storm, guess what the first thing the enemy tries to tell you? God must be against you. He must be trying to take you down for some reason. And Paul's saying, no, because you've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Now, because of this, we have access to the grace of God. In other words, because of what Jesus did, now that we are at peace with God, we are standing neck deep in this grace of God. Now, what have I been telling you that grace is? It's God's what? Power working in us to accomplish what we could never do on our own. That's what grace is. And Paul is saying, you're neck deep in this stuff. I mean, you are dead set in the middle of grace. The power of God is available to you to work in you doing what you could never do on your own. Okay? We have access to this very power of God working. And because of that, at the end of verse 2, it says we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, I think we could spend an entire sermon series talking about that simple phrase. The glory of God one day is going to be given to us. We're going to be crowned with glory. You know, because of sin, we've fallen short of the glory of God, but because of Jesus, we're going to be crowned with glory. When Jesus comes, it says in 1 John, we shall be like him because we will see him as he is. We're going to be shining like Jesus, and we can rejoice in that. That is the hope we have of glory. Now, if that isn't enough, Paul goes on to say, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Do you see that? Not only that, as if that wasn't enough. I mean, we've been justified by faith. We have peace with God. We we are neck deep in this grace 
and we have the hope of glory. And if that isn't enough, we can rejoice in our suffering. Wait, what? Hold up, Paul. You know, those four things sound awesome, but this rejoice in our suffering doesn't seem to fit there. What are you talking about? We've been justified by faith. We have peace with God. We're neck deep in grace. And we have a hope of glory. But this rejoicing in suffering, Paul, what do you mean? I'm sorry, Paul, that doesn't compute. I can understand saying that we can stand our ground in our suffering. And I, I can understand if we say, I can hang on for dear life in our suffering. I can grit my teeth and, and somehow make it through our suffering. But I can't understand is we can rejoice in our suffering. Who on this green earth could ever rejoice in their suffering? Well, Paul answers that question. He says, followers of Jesus Christ can. You want to know why? Here's why. Because suffering produces endurance. Yes, endurance is associated with suffering. Without suffering in our life, guess what? We wouldn't have the ability to endure. Suffering produces endurance. Okay, I get that, but why are we able to rejoice in that? Here's why. Because suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces what? Character. Character. Endurance leads us to character. And guys, I can't tell you how huge that is. Now I'm going to stop there because we can't miss this. As followers of Jesus Christ, listen to me, we're meant, you and I are meant to take on the character of Christ. Do we all agree with that? We are meant to take on the character of Christ. So do we all agree? Okay. So let's look at this verse in Romans. Not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. Now I want to ask you guys some questions, and I want you to answer out loud. What is the starting point of character according to this verse? Suffering. Suffering is the starting point. Now tell me, what is the chain that links suffering to producing character in your life? Endurance. So tell me, second service, if you are suffering and you choose not to endure, will you grow in character? Out loud. No, you won't. Endurance is the key element to growing in character. It's the chain that links the two. Without endurance, character cannot be formed in us. And guys, that's why you see so many Christian men and women who lack character. They haven't learned to endure in their suffering. Actually, let me just focus on myself. You worry about you, I'll worry about me. That's why I lack in my character. Because I have so many times not endured in my suffering, I've pulled the plug. I've run to things to try to numb my, numb, numb my pain. I let go of the plow and I run back to things and I let them master me. And my character pays the price. It suffers. Only endurance can produce character. So we can rejoice in our suffering because of that. But the verse isn't over. It goes on to say this. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 
You see that? Character produces hope. And hope doesn't let us down. It doesn't put us to shame because we start to see the love of God being poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And we become more and more and more loving human beings. God's love pours out into us, which then we can pour out into others. We can love others, which remember, guys, that's what the world desperately needs right now. But look at that again. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And character produces hope. Now, I know for a fact we don't understand fully what hope is. Hope is incredible. It is an incredible thing. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have a hope that is amazing. We are citizens of heaven. And as citizens of heaven, our hope is not in this world. Amen? Praise God for that. And our, our hope, we hope in the unseen reality of God and his kingdom. That is who we have our hope in. And you know what? The early church, they lived out this hope. Hope is what got them through many a dark night. Hope is what got them through intense persecution and suffering. They clung to their hope. And you know, that hope stood out to the world around them. People of the world saw that hope in these people and they went, man, what is that? So much so that Peter writes this in 1 Peter. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Peter told the early church to always be ready to give an answer as to why you have this hope. When someone sees you being persecuted and thrown to the lines or, or beaten or chained and whipped and they see that you still have this hope within you, they don't understand how that's possible. Peter says, so be ready to give them an answer as to why it is possible. Give them an answer as to why you have that hope. Guys, listen to me. Hope is not only important to the individual, it's important to the world. And if we don't have hope, we have nothing to show the world around us. But if we do have hope, in spite of our circumstances, the world takes note of that and wants to know why. And we can tell them, it's Jesus. Jesus is my hope. Hope in us is a great tool to share Christ with a lost and hopeless world. And let me tell you something, the world desperately needs that. So does everyone agree with that? Okay, so let's go back to our passage in Romans, and I want to point out something that's completely obvious, but often we just overlook it. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Suffering in our lives is the starting point to what eventually leads to character and hope in our lives. But tell me, what has to happen for those two very important qualities to be produced in us? What has to happen? We have to what? We have to endure. We have to. Endurance is the chain that links the horrible suffering in our lives to the good qualities being manifested in our life. It's the connector. And tell me, second service, who makes the choice whether we endure or not? We do. Endurance is a choice. Yes, we do need to get rid of the fear in our life. Fear has no place. And yes, we need to get back to the fundamentals of the Christian life. 
And yes, we need to put into practice the words of Jesus. We need to do all those things. But guess what? We don't just do them for two weeks. We don't just do them for two months. We don't even just do them for two years. We endure in them year after year after year until either the Lord returns or we die and we pass from this life into the next. Endurance must be a choice for the rest of our lives. We can't give up. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you're going through in your life, but I want to talk to those who are here today and those who are listening via live stream who just may be hanging on by a thread. You're going through a storm that seems like it just never lets up. The rain keeps falling and the water keeps rising and the wind and waves keep beating against your house and it just never, ever stops. And you don't know if you can last just another day. It never lets up. And this has gone on day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, turning into decades. And I don't know. Some of you might not have very good thoughts running through your mind right now. You may have woken this morning suddenly aware of another day, like, oh, another day facing the same old storm. And you may have thoughts of just giving up. You're done. And if that's you this morning, I need you to listen to me. I want you to pretend that I'm your coach in your fourth quarter. And I just want to say this, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep enduring. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep running with perseverance. And I know, you may not be running. You may be crawling right now. That's okay. Keep setting your eyes on Jesus and keep crawling after Jesus. Don't give up. Keep plugging. Keep clinging to hope. Keep clinging to that eternal future with God. Keep, keep going. Leave everything on the field. Don't give up. Because here's why. The Word of God tells us that blessed is the person who remains steadfast under trial. It doesn't tell us how long that trial lasts. It tells us that blessed is the person who remains steadfast under it. Blessed is the man or woman who endures the storm. For when he or she has stood the test, when he or she has weathered the storm, endured the storm... He or she will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let me ask you, second service, does God love you? You're stinking right, he does. And he promises to give the crown of life to those he loves, to those who endure. Don't give up. Endure to the end. And remember, don't forget, God's grace is working in you. You're neck deep in it. Never forget that. And so knowing that, guys, let me leave you with this this morning. I want to encourage you to get in the game. Stay in the game. And play the game as hard as you can until the game is completely over. Don't give up. Endure. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your word. God, I know that there are many who are here this morning, who might be watching this morning, who we just want to give up. We're tired of the storm. But God, thank you for your promise. Thank you for the hope that you give us. 
that gets poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that we might cling to that hope and that we might set our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who came to this earth and you endured to the very end. May we learn from you. And I pray that you would pour out your grace on individuals this morning who desperately need to just get through this day. God, may we become men and women who endure and we stand the test of time in our trials, no matter how long they are. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, our King and our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Guys, love you so stinking much. I know I get made fun of saying stinking. Stinking means a lot, okay? So I love you a lot. Have an amazing week, and I'll see you next Sunday. Remember, we're going to exit through this door. We'll hang out there and visit out in the parking lot, and uh, we'll see you later. Love you.